sports fans got another good one for you today today i'm going to be discussing doug peterson's decision to basically purposely lose the last game of the season for philly and what was probably the most obvious ploy by a team or a head coach to lose a game that the nfl has ever seen and then i'm going to give two teams i think people should watch out for this postseason two teams that i think are really strong and don't and aren't getting enough credit at the moment and then two teams i really think that can make first round upsets and go even further in the playoffs so let's get into it first topic doug peterson i think he's done in philly what he did against the washington football team sunday night was absolutely unacceptable for the sport and just for everyone involved. You can't purposely or try to purposely lose a game. Like, you can. You can do that. But you can't make it as obvious as he did and expect to keep your job and expect to keep the guys that you're coaching rallied behind you. And it's not really so much my beef with Doug Peterson. It's the fact that I just think Philly can't keep him there anymore after making that decision you're going to lose the fight that your guys have in that locker room and they're not gonna you can't lead that group of guys ever again so you've got a clean house or you've got to leave because you can't stay there anymore for you guys unfamiliar with the situation Doug Peterson decided to pull Jalen Hurts at the beginning of the fourth quarter in a 17 to 14 game they had the ball in and they and he decided to pull Jalen Hurts out in favor of Nate Sudfield if you if you watch football if you're an avid f- football watcher you don't know who Nate Sudfield is, and that's because he's he's a nobody. No offense to him. I'm sure he's a great person and whatever, but he's not good at the professional level of football. So why did Doug Peterson put him in the game, you ask? It's because he was purposely trying to lose that game, and it's the most obvious tanking we've ever seen Jalen Hurts had two rushing touchdowns in that game the only two touchdowns Philly had and might I add he was playing bad right he he was seven for 20 for 72 yards in the interception but he had your only two touchdowns you can't look me in the eyes with a straight face and try to tell me you thought Nate Sudfield was going to give you a better look give you you know, a better chance to win a game than Jalen Hurts because you're because you're crazy or you think I'm an idiot because that is just not the case here. And Doug Peterson tried to deflect the blame by saying by saying basically that he said that basically said that Sudfield was capable of running the system. Obviously, he's capable of running your system. He's been your third string quarterback for a little while now. He knows the system. Anyone is capable of running the system, basically. And then he said he really wanted to give him an opportunity. You're in a game down 17-14 to 14 with the ball on your own 11-yard line. This is a in-division game. Washington is a division rival. And, you, and you're going to sit up there in the press box or wherever you're sitting and tell the media that the reason you pulled the guy that had your only two touchdowns in the game for a guy who is a is basically a nobody, no one knows him off the street because you wanted to give him an opportunity. That that is ridiculous. 
if you're Philly, like if you're a football fan, Philly fan, whoever you are, you have to be angry about this. I know Giants fans are especially angry because I really thought that the Eagles were going to win this game if Jalen Hurts stayed in. And the fact that Doug Peterson pulled him was a big F you to the Giants who if Philly would have won this game that they would have made it to the playoffs, but also just a big F you to the whole football community because we've never seen a team purposely lose like this before. And it's just really, really frustrating. And I'm not so sure it was Doug Peterson that made this decision. I know he has a lot of influence from the GM and the upper people in the in the Eagles organization but just to make this decision as a whole you've completely lost any will any fight your guys will ever have so that's why I say Doug Peterson's got to go he's gonna have to leave and go to a coordinator position really in in my opinion because I don't think this dude can lead a team in the next couple years because this is going to be at the forefront this is going to be a big red x on his resume and I just don't think he can he can be a head coach of a football team anymore and going back to why football fans and everyone should be angry it's this is so bad for the sport no one wants to see purposely tanking like we see teams like the Jets and the Jaguars be really bad but it's also because their GMs have put them in a bad situation we it's because they're lacking a quarterback they're lacking a defense they're lacking all these pieces that they need the Eagles aren't lacking that. They have a pretty good, a pretty decent defense. They have a quarterback that was scoring them points, and Doug Peterson pulled him out of the game. And that is my problem with this. You can't purposely lose a game this obvious. If you want to do it by, you know, playing some third stringers on defense that no one really will notice, go right ahead. But you can't. And do it before the game. Don't pull your guy out in the beginning of the fourth quarter because you're like, oh, no, we're too close. We're too close to winning this game. Doug Peterson knew they were going to win that game. Whoever made the call, I don't know that it was Doug Peterson, but whoever made that call knew that the Eagles were going to win that game. And they decided, hey, we don't want to win this game. So they put Nate Sudfield in. And that is just disrespectful to Everyone involved, disrespectful for to, to those guys that have been trying so hard this season who haven't been able to see their family go to gatherings or whatever because of COVID. It was just a big F you to everyone involved, and it's, it's really sad to see. And that's why I think Doug Peterson is done in Philly. So moving into our basically main topic, the two teams to watch out for this postseason. I'm going to choose one from each conference and tell you why I think they're dangerous. So the first thing or the first team I want to talk about is the Chicago Bears. I know what you're thinking. You hear the Chicago Bears, you're like, Jess, they barely squeaked in. They have a 500 record at 8-8. Eight and eight. How are you putting these guys as one of these teams to watch out for this postseason? And I'm going to tell you why. So the Bears' first matchup in the playoffs is versus the Saints. And you might think the Saints, they have, they're such a powerful team. They have a great defense, a super strong offense. The Bears don't stand a chance here. Well, the Bears only lost to the Saints in Week 8, 26-23 in overtime. And that was with Nick Foles in at quarterback. And now, I'm not saying that Mitchell Trubisky is head and shoulders better than Nick Foles, but the past couple weeks, 
And it might have to do with Matt Nagy not calling the plays on offense anymore. But the past couple of weeks, Mitchell Trubisky has looked better than what we saw from Nick Foles earlier on in the season. And so that's why I believe that the Bears are even stronger than they were in week eight. And now obviously the Saints are too. Drew Brees, although he was dealing with injury, is now back and he's still playing well. Alvin Kamara, he has COVID, but he'll be there for, he'll be ready for the game against the Bears. But I think that Mitchell Trubisky is capable of winning a playoff game. Call me crazy. I know. It's kind of crazy to say, but I do think Mitchell Trubisky can win a playoff game. I believe he is capable. He is right now a game manager. And, you know, a lot of people have given up on Mitchell Trubisky, and I might be guilty of it a little bit too, but I don't think he's quite gone yet. And and here's why. I was a huge Baker Mayfield fan with when him coming out of college, got drafted number one overall, set the record for the most touchdown passes of a rookie quarterback until it was broken by Justin Herbert this year. And then he just went downhill. He had a bad couple of seasons because he was, you know, his head coaches were rotating and he just wasn't in the right system. I believe, you know, he had people in his ear that were, you know, he well, he had people like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry who like were these huge names, especially for a rookie coming into the league. And he and he, I felt like he felt he needed to throw to these guys and he kept forcing stuff into these windows. He didn't have a really, he didn't have a supportive run game. Now he has all of this but I think what is more important is the fact that Kevin Stefanski came in there and he rejuvenated that Baker Mayfield's career Baker Mayfield has been having an incredible season and I'm going to talk about that later because the Browns are my other team but I think that similar to Baker if Mitchell Trubisky can get in the right system And, you know, a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, they need the right system to be successful. It's only the few like Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady that or Andrew Brees will throw him in there that really can succeed without their system, you know. So most quarterbacks need the right system. And I think if Mitchell Trubisky had the right system, because I've seen some flashes from him after Matt Nagy gave up the play calling responsibilities and Bill, I'll probably butcher his name, but Lazor or Laser, whatever, whatever his name is, took over play calling responsibilities. I've seen a, you know, a better Mitchell Trubisky. And so I think if, you know, they continue to have Bill Lazor call these plays and he becomes more successful with it, or if they bring in someone else, whatever they do, if Mitchell Trubisky can be put in the right system, I believe he can be very successful. He can get back to what we saw from him at UNC. So call me crazy, but I believe that Mitchell Trubisky can win a playoff game in his current system. So we'll we'll see. I know. It's crazy, but I think that Mitchell Trubisky, you know, people shouldn't give up on him yet. They just needs the right system. And, you know, another big gripe about the Bears is they're eight and eight. They're the seventh, seventh seed. Yes. So why, why am I picking them? Right? Well, if you look back at the Giants in 2012, who ended up winning the Super Bowl, they entered the postseason nine and seven. 
They didn't have a glamorous record, but they went out there and they have a quarterback. I believe, you know, obviously Eli Manning has won two Super Bowls. I obviously he's better than Mitchell Trubisky. But I think that those two guys are very similar in the fact that they they've never been known for being these great, you know, lighted up passing quarterbacks. But I, you know, for most of Eli Manning's career, he was known or towards the end of it, he was known as a game manager. He he made some, you know, incredible throws down the stretch in those playoff runs that, you know, ended up winning them those Super Bowls in 2012 and 2008. But Eli Manning, he wasn't, you know, anything crazy. He, I mean, he's a borderline Hall of Famer, right? So I think that, you know, the Bears with a super strong defense, you know, they have an incredible front seven and an offense that is starting to roll now. And, you know, David Montgomery has been balling out since Bill Lazor took over uh, play calling responsibilities. And then they have receivers who can make you pay for your mistakes on defense. You know, if a, a corner or a DB misses their assignments or these guys can even you know, create space themselves and Allen Robinson and a very talented rookie wide out in Darnell Mooney. So I think all of this recipe is a perfect story for these guys to make a run. And, you know, I'm putting a lot of faith in Mitchell Trubisky, you know, picking the Bears here. But I think that Mitchell, now that he has a shot, he's getting a better shot than he's ever had before. I think that he will maybe not wow us. We might not have that wow factor from Mitchell Trubisky. He might not toss for 400 yards and four touchdowns, but I do think he will make the necessary throws to have his team compete. And I do believe, you know, they have a really solid shot at beating the Saints. The Saints open up as like a 10-point favorite. This game is going to be decided within a field goal. The Bears are, like I said, are a better team than Week 8. The Saints are a better team too, but I believe the Bears are, you know, have gotten even better, like, you know, in a sense where they've gotten even more better <laughs> than the Saints have in that period of time. So I think this is still going to be a three-point game, and I think the Bears have a really solid chance at winning this game. And after they win that, you know, they go on to play the Packers, and, you know, those are in-division rivals. They've lost twice to the Packers this year. They'd be in Lambeau, but you never know. If it's an in-division game, anything can happen, really. Like, it's crazy to think when you play these guys that much, you know them so well. Anything can happen in a game and in a playoff game where people are playing with high emotion, high intensity. I could definitely see the Bears winning that game. So, the Bears are my pick for the NFC. Now let's go over to the AFC. And I, I said it earlier, the Browns are my pick for the AFC, the surprise team, the team that can make a run and surprise everyone. Their first matchup is against the Steelers. Obviously, there's some history there with these teams being in-division rivals. And also the last year helmet ordeal where Miles Garrett basically tried to murder um, Mason Rudolph with his helmet. But <laughs> moving on from that, the Browns, or, you know, uh, apart from that, the Browns lost to the Steelers 38-7 in week eight, or no, week six, sorry. And then they beat the Steelers last week 24-22 to with Mason Rudolph in at quarterback. So you might say, well, they got blown out when the Steelers were, you know, at their strongest, and then they barely beat the Steelers with a backup quarterback in. And you'd be right about that. But there's two things I, I want to say about that. The Browns that lost to the Steelers in Week 6, 38-7, are not the Browns 
of today. And the Steelers who beat the Browns 38-7 to in Week 6 are not the Steelers of today. I believe the Steelers have regressed a little bit. And I believe the Browns are head and shoulders better than they were in Week 6. And then not to mention, you know, we go back to the, the last week thing where the Steelers, you know, were two points away from winning that game. The Browns were up by a considerable margin, a considerable margin in that game. And I believe they just took their foot off the gas pedal. I really think they thought Mason Rudolph and, you know, that offense was just going to roll over. They're like, this game doesn't matter. But they didn't. Um, Mason Rudolph made some good throws and got them back into that game. And so that's why I think that game ended up being so close. And you can, you know, argue that that may not be the case. The Browns just, they were still trying and they couldn't stop Mason Rudolph and that the Steelers are better than they were in week six. But those are just my opinions. And then my biggest thing about why I'm picking the Browns, and I talked about it earlier, is the fact that Baker Mayfield has come alive this season, people. I mean, he is making great throws when the Browns need him to. He's not, you know, forcing the ball places. He's making the correct reads. And then he's not turning the ball over. He only has eight interceptions this season. Well, eight is pretty high when we look at, you know, the more elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And I'm not trying to make the argument that Baker Mayfield is elite. You know, in a couple of years, he might be if he stays in this system. And, you know, it depends on what your definition of elite is. If he's a system-dependent quarterback, I definitely think he can become a very good quarterback in this system because Kevin Stefanski and the way they have this offense built is really good. Their offensive line is so strong, and their running attack, man, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are an amazing backfield duo. I mean, you watch these guys run. Nick Chubb is over a thousand yards this season. And then not to mention what Kareem Hunt brings to you in the receiving game. When both of these guys are in the backfield, defenses don't know where to look because both these guys are a blur on the field. They'll run past you and they'll run over you. And also they'll moss you if they need to. They have incredible hands. They're just two all around good backs. And the fact that the Browns have such a strong offensive line, a quarterback that can make throws. They have some strong tight ends in David Njoku and Austin Hooper. And then, you know, their receivers, Jarvis Landry at one point was one of the best receivers, you know, in the league for a year or two. And then, you know, the other guys they got out there, there aren't household names, but they get the job done. They have speed. They can, you know, make big plays. But it's not, it's the fact that the Browns have all that. And then they have Baker who can make the throws to these guys. But then they have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt who can beat you catching the ball out the backfield and then will run you over. And they complement each other so well. And then the fact that Nick Chubb can, you know, run the ball for the first two quarters. You bring Kareem Hunt in as the main back in the third quarter. And then Nick Chubb comes in with fresh legs in the fourth. And then you mix Kareem Hunt in there. It's that duo that is going to lead the Browns to some victories that I think they are going to accomplish. I do think that they are going to beat the Steelers this Sunday night. And then... Moving on from that, if the Colts somehow pull it off against the Bills, I don't think they do. Although that is a team that I think, you know, hasn't got enough credit either. I think the Colts are a really strong team. I do think the Bills win that game. 
And I felt the Browns had a better, you know, chance. That's why I put them on this list and not the Colts. But I do think the Colts have a strong chance. I don't think you need to count them out in that game. But say the the Bills win like I expect, and the Browns have to play the Chiefs at home. The Browns are set up for success in that game because they can run the ball. And to beat the Chiefs, I've said it all season, you have to control the clock. And running the ball is the most efficient way to do that. Kevin Stefanski has done a great job, like I said, all year with the Browns and building a system. And their GM has done a great job at getting the right guys in there and building this team to the point where they compete. And I'm going to be honest with you, I would not be too terribly shocked to see the Browns go all the way because their offense is so good. They can beat you in so many ways. I know it sounds crazy to think or for crazy for me to say and, you know, I catch myself sometimes saying that the Browns could go all the way, right? Well, it's football. Anything can happen, and all they have to do is beat the other team for one game. If you're asking me if the Browns or the Bears are better than the Saints or the Chiefs or better than the Packers or the Bills, obviously not. But they just have to go out there and beat them in those one games like the Giants did in 2012. And I think these two teams are set up best for that. And so that's... That's it for today's episode, guys. I appreciate all of you for listening. Um, get at me on Twitter at uh, Jesse K. Bellamy. Um, give me any of your thoughts or opinions, any sports takes you have. Um, I'm more than welcome to you know hearing them. Everyone's opinion is welcomed. And then anything you'd like to see on the show, you know, tweet at me, and I'll be more than happy to add it in. That's it for today's episode, guys. I will see you guys next time on The Blitz.